Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. And all donations in September will be going to the SPCA in the memory of my best pal Boris, who sadly passed away earlier this month. Okay, on with the show. After the resignation of Julie Payette as Governor General in January 2021, Canada went through a period of time, longer than at any other time in its history, without a Governor-General before a new one was chosen. This time, the appointment would make history, as Mary Simon took over the post. Mary Simon was born on August 21, 1947, in what was then George River, Quebec, a small village in the far north of the province. Her mother was Inuk, while her father was English-Canadian and the manager of the local Hudson's Bay Company post. At the time, the Hudson's Bay Company didn't allow white men to marry Indigenous women, but it was rarely enforced. Simon grew up at Fort Chimo, 156 kilometers to the southwest of where she was born, and through her early life, she would learn the traditional Inuit lifestyle that involved living off the land with her extended family, she would say in 1999. It was an uncomplicated, very fulfilling way of life, the kind of life that brings inner peace. In 1953, Simon appeared on the cover of Moccasin Telegraph magazine, and now long gone Indigenous Affairs magazine. You can find the picture online, and I should have it in my post. While Simon would learn much about her Inuit culture, her father also made sure she learned about his own culture. She would say that her father never really talked about himself much, but he showed by example in his actions how much he respected the culture of Simon's mother and the life of the North. Simon was also incredibly close to her grandmother, who taught her much about the Inuit culture, she would say in 1984. My grandmother was an incredible woman, exceptional, a very strong character, and she was very instrumental in shaping how I feel today. I learn something every day, and I hope I'll be like her, 80 years old and learning something new. For a time, she was schooled at a federal-run school before she was homeschooled and eventually graduated through the use of correspondence courses. Due to the fact her mother married a white man, Simon was not considered Inuit and could not get federally sponsored schooling. Her father ensured his children put in their school hours at home, and he checked their homework. She also attended a school in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where she lived with friends of her family. From 1969 to 1973, Simon worked as a producer and announcer of the long-running CBC radio show Northern Service, which broadcast letters and news to the Arctic. She would also teach Inuktitut at McGill University. After her time at CBC, she found a new calling in her life, advocacy for the Arctic and the Inuit who lived there. In 1967, she would marry her first husband, Robert Otis. The couple would later divorce, and she would marry George Simon. Simon was elected to the Northern Quebec Inuit Association Board of Directors, which was an organization that advocated for the rights of the Inuit. It also focused on providing the Inuit with a stronger voice in the negotiations going on over the huge James Bay hydroelectric project in Quebec. The work of the organization would lead to the James Bay and Northern Quebec Agreement in 1975, 
the first comprehensive Indigenous land claim settlement in Canadian history. In 1978, Simon was elected as the Vice President of the Makovic Corporation, which administered the terms of the agreement through the protection of Inuit lands and investing the $120 million the Quebec government had provided for compensation. She would say, There were a few Aboriginal people on one side, and the government negotiating with you with a lot of resources available to them. These negotiations would involve her taking on René Lévesque, the Premier of Quebec at the time, who had promised to honour Indigenous rights in the province, something no other province had pledged to do at that point. He stated their rights would be protected by the Quebec Charter of Human Rights. Then, when he passed legislation that overrode the Charter to end a teacher strike, she asked him what stopped him from doing the same to the Indigenous people. Levesque said that he would never do that, but Simon kept on him about it. Bob Epstein, an Ottawa consultant, would say, She took him on, and she was dynamite. He tried everything he could to shake her, logic, anger, every technique that there was, but she was really something to watch. It was just the two of them, and he could see he respected her, that he knew he was dealing with someone with a very good mind. In the end, he didn't prevail. In 1983, Simon was appointed as the president of the organization, serving until 1985. Also during the 1980s, Simon served on the Inuit Committee on National Issues, this involved her taking part in federal and provincial conferences where she argued that Indigenous rights and equality needed to have a clear understanding. Due to her work in the committees, Section 35 of the Canadian Constitution was rewritten to protect Indigenous rights. During the negotiations, she would be dismissed by Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau who said, I wish you and your sisters would take it out of your head that somehow we are deliberately trying to frustrate the concept of equality. Simon pushed back, stating that it was essential that the law make it clear that men and women should be able to pass on their indigenous status, regardless of whether they married non-indigenous people. She argued that it should be clear so that they could move on to other issues while ensuring indigenous women would have their rights protected. Trudeau argued back that the Charter protected against discrimination previously written into the Indian Act. I, I hear of these uh, issues being talked about, and um, people often don't think as as, uh, as Inuit, we get affected by these things. But I could tell you a very sad story about my own mother, who supposedly was not affected by the Indian Act. But she was certainly discriminated against. And thank goodness, because of the James Bay and Northern Quebec Agreement, I have my status back. And, you know, I get really concerned when I listen to all of this all of this rhetoric that goes on around these around the table and you know right now I'm very emotional because I don't know I don't know what we're trying to do right now the equality issue is going to be um, the issue of the afternoon and at the end of the conference everybody's going to shake their head and they're going to say well we spent way too much time on the equality clause and yet we're talking about a fundamental right and I really don't see how we can be respected in this country if we can't even deal with that issue. I would propose that Mr. Penner's recommendation that we go back and, and review the, the proposal be accepted and we'll come back and give our response. You know, we said, I said yesterday, Mr. Simon, that uh, we would abolish Section 12.1b. I'm sorry I spelt out some sociological and historical consequences of it, but we can't hide them. I wish, I wish you and your sisters would 
take it out of your head that somehow we're deliberately trying to frustrate here that we are not. You know, in a sense you're equal when you think you're equal. And if you think you're unequal, the law won't change much. Simon? Mr. Prime Minister, I, I consider myself an equal. I am a, a, an Aboriginal representative that represents both male and female persons in northern Quebec. And, I'll, and I've always tried to be very unbiased towards who I represent because I feel that as people we have one interest, and that is our collective and individual rights. And all I'm saying here is that as someone that represents both sides, I'd like to see the Equality Clause once and for all said we keep presenting to you and at the same time you're saying that you, you would go along with an additional uh, uh, guarantee that it's, that it's clear and at the same time we can't seem to settle it. And it's now 3, 3.35 and uh, I don't see how, how we can go on much longer with this. She would say of those negotiations, Wherever we tried to talk about the rights with government over the past year, they looked as if we were crazy. Rights? You want to talk about rights? No. Let's talk about broad, unenforceable principles. She would add in the same interview in 1983, The Constitution deals with fundamental rights which are universal to Aboriginal people. Our differences could have been worked out on another level at a later date. For Simon, she felt that she had to do these things she did because she believed that the Inuit and the Indigenous people across Canada had a distinct identity that had to be recognized and affirmed throughout the country. She would also take part in every First Minister's Conference from 1982 to 1992 and the Charlottetown Accord negotiations. She also served as the President of the Inuit Circumpolar Conference from 1986 to 1992. In the early 1990s, Prime Minister Brian Mulroney created the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples and Simon served as the Secretary and Co-Director of Policy. In 1993, Simon was also one of the nine community leaders appointed to the Nunavut Implementation Commission, which would negotiate the creation of the territory in 1999. She also served as the Chancellor of Trent University from 1995 to 1999. In 1994, Simon married her current husband, Whit Fraser. That same year, she was appointed as Canada's first Arctic ambassador. She would say, Expectations are high in the North. I am expected to deliver. In her role, she was constantly traveling, which was difficult for her at times as she was away from her family. She said in 1996, The hardest part of my job is being away from my family so much. In 1996, she would establish the Arctic Council, which was an intergovernmental forum that promotes cooperation and sustainable development among the countries, eight in all, that have territory in the Arctic. In 1997, Simon would be appointed as one of three Canadians on the Joint Public Advisory Committee of the Commission for Environmental Cooperation and NAFTA. In 1997, Simon was appointed one of three Canadians on the Joint Public Advisory Committee of the Commission for Environmental Cooperation of NAFTA and became its commissioner one year later. From 1994 to 2003, Simon was Canada's ambassador for circumpolar affairs and also served as the country's ambassador to Denmark from 1999 to 2001. She was the first Inuk to hold the rank of ambassador. On June 11, 2008, Simon was one of the Indigenous leaders to sit on the floor of the House of Commons when Prime Minister Stephen Harper apologized formally for residential schools. She would say, 
The words chosen to convey this apology will help us mark the end of this dark period in our collective history as a nation. In 2017, she was the Minister's Special Representative for the Minister of Indigenous and Northern Affairs. In that role, she delivered a report called A New Shared Arctic Leadership Model, which would set the stage for a new policy and program development to support the Arctic and its residents. And on July 6, 2021, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau appointed Simon as the new Governor-General of Canada. The announcement was made in the Canadian Museum of History, Trudeau would say. It is only by building bridges, bringing between people in the north and south, just like the east and west, that we can truly move forward. Mary Simon has done that throughout her life. I know she will continue paving the path ahead, and we will all be stronger for it. Simon would make her first remarks as Governor-General-designate in Inuktitut before switching to English, she would say. I can confidently say that my appointment is historic and is an inspirational moment for Canada and is an important step towards the long path towards reconciliation. A historic appointment in the wake of a historic resignation. I cannot think of a better person to meet the moment. That person, Mary Simon. I am honoured, humbled and, and ready to be Canada's first Indigenous Governor-General. She's a former Canadian diplomat and longtime Anuk leader who helped negotiate the first modern treaty and fought tirelessly for Indigenous rights. We're talking about a fundamental right. This is her going head-to-head over sexual equality with Justin Trudeau's father decades ago when he was Prime Minister. In a sense, you're equal when you think you're equal. I'd like to see the Equality Clause once and for all settled. Simon is now taking on an apolitical role with a different kind of bilingualism, Inuktitut and English. I was denied the chance to learn French during my time in the federal government day schools. Her appointment in the midst of a reckoning over residential schools, protesters toppling over statues of the Queen, a symbol of the fractured relationship between Indigenous peoples and the Crown. She understands that this is a very difficult time in this, this country and that she has a healing role to play and she's ready to do it. This step forward only happening because of the Prime Minister's past failure appointing Julie Payette, who resigned in disgrace, leaving behind a shattered workplace culture that Simon now inherits. She's stepping into, I mean, a situation that very much parallels the Crown-Indigenous relationship uh, in Canada in general, um, a relationship that was uh, that has been abusive and has been neglected and um, toxic. With the Queen's approval, Simon's formal installation into Rideau Hall is expected in the coming weeks, an appointment the government hopes is less about controversy and more about healing wounds of the past. Ashley Burke, CBC News, Ottawa. She had been considered for the position since 2010, and after the appointment of Julie Payette and her resignation, Trudeau had a panel consider over 100 names for the short list of candidates, with Simon being the overwhelming choice. With her appointment, she became the first Indigenous person to serve in the role. She said of her appointment, My appointment reflects our collective progress towards building a more inclusive, just and equitable society. Overall, her appointment was greeted with positivity. Both Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh welcomed her appointment. Former Governor-General Julie Payette also offered her own congratulations and stated she was at her disposal as she transitioned into the new role. 
the Right Honorable Mary May Simon. It was an emotional moment for these people in Couchois when one of their own officially became Canada's Governor General. That pride has been building up since Simon's announcement just over two weeks ago. She's a role model to all of us. A lot of pride. We're very proud of her. I think it's an amazing um, progress for the country of Canada to have an Indigenous Inuk woman in the role with, the, with all her background in politics for the last few decades. And she's been working for Inuit, Inuit rights for a long time, so I've been looking up to her. And people who know Her Excellency, Governor General Mary Simon, weren't surprised either about this new chapter in her life. I know this is coming. Uh, sooner or later, because we've been talking about her for quite a number of years. And she is the second person in command, I would say, from the Queen. So uh, we have it made as a Inuit. <laughs> Watt grew up with Simon and her family, and this is the home that Simon's father built, where she and her seven siblings were raised. It was in her blood, the way she wanted to lead or fix things, you know, it's, uh, she was very responsible, a person, even as a, a teenager, she was very responsible, she had a very good heart. Madge Pomelo says her sister will work for not just Inuit, but for all Canadians, and she's hoping for a family reunion with the new Governor General of Canada soon, who she says likes to visit during berry picking season. Juanita Taylor, CBC News, Kujwak, Nunavik. There was a concern among some that she could not speak French, which broke with tradition for the Governor-General role. The Bloc Quebec wall would state that the Governor-General role was not elected, representative, nor legitimate. Simon said that she is bilingual, as she speaks Inuktitut and English, and she would ensure her office would conduct business in both official languages while also promising to learn French. She would say, Based on my own experience growing up in Quebec, I was denied the chance to learn French during my time in federal government day schools. I am deeply committed to continuing my French language studies and plan to conduct the business of the Governor-General in both of Canada's official languages as well as the Nuktatuk, one of many Indigenous languages spoken around the country. On July 22nd, she held an audience with the Queen, although this was done virtually due to the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. It's very nice to have a chance to, to talk. Yes, Your Majesty, it's wonderful to, to be able to speak to you today. So you're, you're taking over a very important job. Yes, I'm very privileged to be able to do this work over the next few years. I think it's vitally important for, for our country. Indeed, yes. Because your, your work, your own work, has been, you've been very busy. Yes, I've devoted a lot of my time to working on Arctic issues because I'm yes, from the yes. Arctic and, uh, and also working to, um, to, to get a lot of things organized with the Indigenous peoples and the Inuit of Canada. On July 26, she was sworn in as Governor General. As Governor General, she considers, and I will do my best to pronounce this, Ajuneta an important theme for her mandate. 
There is no one-word translation, but the word means many things, including a vow or promise not to give up, or a commitment to action, no matter how daunting the cause. An installation ceremony like no other. A tribute to Mary Simon's Inuit culture and a sign of historic change. Simon replaces the Chief Justice, who filled in for six months after Julie Payette resigned in disgrace. The former Arctic ambassador and advocate for Indigenous rights now formally taking over during a critical time, as Canada reckons with its dark past of residential schools. With her husband by her side, Simon promised to work against climate change, advocate for mental health, and help repair the relationship between Indigenous peoples and the Crown. I will strive to build bridges across the diverse backgrounds and cultures that reflect our great country's uniqueness and promise. She spoke about growing up on the land in northern Quebec. Her message also delivered in Inuktitut, another first. My Inuk name is Ninukarlak, and Prime Minister, it means bossy little old lady. <laughs> A lady who then tackled her lack of French head-on with humility. Le plus, est, plus élevé. Sometimes I have a little trouble pronouncing, but I'm learning. <laughs> her words today about replacing hurt with hope, a message in keeping with the man who chose Simon for the job and his commitment to reconciliation. We need your vision of a stronger Canada for everyone. Sing like a bird. It's a moment her sister never thought could happen. I thought of my mom and dad and my grandmother, and they would have been very proud of her. Simon said growing up, it took time to realize her voice has power. Now she plans to use it in one of the highest offices in the land to heal wounds of the past. On October 17, 2021, Simon made her first trip abroad as Governor General when she visited Berlin on a state visit. She would meet with President Frank Steinmeier and Chancellor Angela Merkel. On February 6, 2022, Simon paid tribute to Queen Elizabeth II in honor of her platinum jubilee. She said, Much has changed in the last seven decades. We extended the hand of friendship to nations around the world. We made advancements in medical research, most recently with vaccines. We established the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and took part in its work. We saw the first Canadian named Governor-General, then the first woman, and now the first Indigenous person. Three days later, she tested positive for COVID-19. She would officially meet the Queen for the first time in person on March 15th at Windsor Castle, when the Queen hosted an afternoon tea with the couple. The Queen and Simon would discuss the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Canadian convoy protests, and how they both recovered from COVID-19. On April 1st, Simon issued a statement after Pope Francis apologized to an indigenous delegation at the Vatican. She said that the apology is one step on the road to reconciliation and that the Pope has committed to visiting Canada to continue the reconciliation journey with indigenous peoples on their own lands. In May, Simon hosted the Prince of Wales, now King Charles III, and the Duchess of Cornwall when they toured Canada. She would also travel to London in September to take part in the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. And because of the death of Queen Elizabeth II, Simon is actually the first Governor-General in over 70 years to represent somebody other than Queen Elizabeth, 
She's also the first Governor General since Lord Tweedsmuir in 1936 to represent more than two monarchs. As we are still in the first year and a half of her time as Governor General, I can't say much more about her. But when her time as Governor General comes to an end, I will update this episode. So that's the end of our Governor's General series. I hope you guys have really enjoyed it. So next week, I'm going to do an episode, a special one, on Ed Broadbent, who spent 22 years in the House of Commons and 14 years as the leader of the federal NDP. And then after that, we begin our look at the various premiers in Canadian history. I'm going to look at every single premier in Canadian history. I'm going to start with James Pope of PEI. Now, what I did was I took all the territories and the provinces and I randomized them to various orders. PEI is first, Alberta second, and it goes on from there. I'm going to look at five premiers at a time, and then we'll cycle through. And this is so that I don't focus on one province at a time. Otherwise, focusing on a place like Ontario is going to take me quite a while because there's a lot of premiers. So this allows for a bit of variety. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and that will begin in two weeks. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Robert Dutt, Tom Lebach, Elizabeth Brookman, Christy S., Martin Strache, Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Kaylin Pringitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Halbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara-Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Governor General of Canada, Maclean's Canadian Encyclopedia, Wikipedia, Montreal Gazette, and the White Horse Daily Star. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.